Another pot of coffee is brewing. My fifth cup is almost finished. So that means it's time for yet another episode of Not Before Coffee, festive edition. I'm your host, Ray, self-confessed bookworm, film addict, hermit, long-term depression sufferer and very honest caffeine fiend. It's Christmas Day tomorrow. Yay! Presents, loads of mimosas, or Bucks Fizz, depending on where you live, and croissant. Of course, it's going to be a slightly tempered down year this year. However, if you've been listening to other podcasts, then you'll possibly have already heard me a few times in the last few days. I have been lucky enough to be the guest on two amazing shows that released on Tuesday, one with Paul and Griff from The Paul and Griff Show, which is incredibly funny. We talked about the Santa Claus and the discussion got into some very strange conspiracy theories regarding what happened to previous Santa and his wife. And I also talked about gremlins with my guest for this week. I have been joined by Lorraine, who happens to host one of my favourite horror and true crime podcasts, Once Upon a Nightmare. I am here with a fantastic special guest who I've been talking with for way longer than we'd anticipated before we even get to the films. But as I promised, we are talking the 2006, oh my God, 2006 film, I know, the holi- <laughs> Nancy Mayer's The Holiday. Uh want to introduce yourself so everyone knows who you are. Hi, I'm Lorraine and I have a podcast called Once Upon a Nightmare. <laughs> Do you want to tell them a bit more about Once Upon a Nightmare? Yeah. Um, yeah, it's a podcast that I started up in July. It's on true crime and horror movies. Um, I started up myself because nobody likes to talk about true crime and horror movies that I know. So the only option was to talk to myself. As simple as that, really. So you're a meme. I'm a meme. You're that meme, you know, the when nobody oh, yeah. else wants to talk yeah. about horror movies or, or or you start talking too much about true crime, you may as well record it. Exactly. It's kind of one, one of those things every now and again, like one of my friends would mention something and I'm like, oh, you've opened a window. I can now say what I want. And I'm just like an hour later, I'm like throwing all this information at them. And how far just... into the next bottle of wine are they by the time you finish? <laughs> They're right at the door. I don't even realise they've left. <laughs> But it's, no, a, it's, it's a really good po- it's a really good podcast though. Thank you. I really enjoy doing it, and um, it's it's a lot. Well, you know, you do a podcast on your own. Yeah. It's a lot of work when you do it on your own because you can't kind of you don't get that bit of chat in it like what we're doing now because yeah. it would just sound a bit weird. Um, it sounds a bit like you have dual personalities. Yeah, exactly, exactly. So, um, so yeah, no, I'm really enjoying it. Um, but it's like writing an like an essay every week for uni. Yeah, especially the true crime ones, because obviously, you know, it can't be your opinion. That is true. I think that when it starts getting into the point where you're talking your opinion, it stops being true crime. Yeah, exactly. So, yeah. But yeah, that's uh, my podcast that I do all by myself. And where can they find you? 
They can find me on um, Instagram as no Instagram as Once Upon a Nightmare Podcast on Twitter as a Nightmare Pod and on Facebook as Once Upon a Nightmare. Yes, that's it. You sure? Yeah, I was about to say show me the podcast. (laughs) (laughs) That's another podcast that is really good as well. Yeah. All about film. Yeah. So, yeah. But um, yeah, that's that's basically who I am. And I'm the same age as you. And I live in Bath and I am married with a little four-year-old girl. He's a delight. And I'm hoping that doesn't wake up. We are here to talk about the fantastic film, The Holiday, which Mm -hmm. I watched yesterday with a glass of wine and no chocolate because I stupidly forgot (gasps) to buy any. I know, criminal offence. I'm so disappointed in myself. I'll do an episode on you. That is a criminal (laughs) (laughs) offence. She forgot the chocolate. (laughs) (laughs) So when did you last watch this? Um, I watched it this week as well, but I kind of watch it a lot. I watched it three times in one day once. See, I've done that with Arthur Christmas, which was hence my post the other day about how many times is too many for Arthur Christmas in two months. All right. Yeah, I've seen that with them, but only because of Riley. Otherwise, I wouldn't have. But yeah, this, I absolutely love this film. That's the thing. Would you class it as a rom-com, though? I would, but I feel like it's slightly different to normal rom-coms. It's not so obvious. Yeah, that's it. See, that's what I that's what I was thinking, which is why when I was sitting there going, what do you classify it as? Because I don't think it's as it's not Bridget Jones. No, I feel like they have to work for it a bit more. Do yeah, you know what I mean, like because you've got um, Iris and uh, Miles. Yeah. And he's another relationship. And then you've got um, uh, Amanda and Graham. And, you know, he's very emotional and she's kind of like, you know, the man, so to speak, in the relationship. I know that's not the correct thing to say, but he's very like crying and all this kind of stuff. But I feel like it's it's all very uncertain, whereas with most rom-coms, they hand it to you on a plate. Yeah. And I don't really feel like they do that in this one. And that's I like that. That's the thing. There were so many straight guys in the film. Mm. When normally there's a rom-com, you've got the ditzy blonde, you've got the unusual friends, and you've got Mm. those situations like, as I said, with Bridget Jones and the blue soup. Mm. And you have one straight guy. Yeah. In the form of, obviously, in this case, Mr. Darcy. (laughs) (laughs) Who my cat is not named after, I will point out. But with this, the only comedian you've got in it is Jack Black and he's not even really himself I was talking with a friend yesterday and she actually said to me it's the first film she's watched that she's like Jack Black in oh really yeah which I he found quite interesting he'd done this film you're kidding yeah he was on a red carpet or something being interviewed and they asked him what his favorite Christmas film was and he said whatever he said and then he, they said what about yours and he said what Christmas film was I in and they went, and he went the holiday, and they went. He went, oh yeah, <laughs> oh my god! But that I suppose this was his straight guy role almost, mm. because there were a few bits where, like the video store scene, where he does the mm. kind of campy theme tunes thing. Mm. But for the most part, he's kind of serious, and he's not your traditional kind of like love interest no he's not though he looks better in this yes 
Like I would have went for him over Graham. Oh God, so would I. Mm. But this is the first film that I've actually watched that I like Jude Law in. Yeah, because like I, the thing with Jude Law, he's, I mean, obviously he's a, a very beautiful looking man, but I've never really been drawn to him. Me neither. I've never watched a film with him in and thought, oh, I'd have him. Mm. Now, Chris Evans, yes, every single time, but not the Jude Law. One. No, not the ginger one. <laughs> God, everybody says that. I've actually had to go through this at work. I had to, I put a, oh, I put a picture of Chris Evans. He's my wallpaper on my phone. And someone said to me, oh, is that your boyfriend? <laughs> it was like, you don't know who this is. How can you not know who that is? And I said, that's Chris Evans. And they said, what? The DJ. It's like, no, Chris Evans, the actor. Oh, and I thought, oh, my God. Boyfriend. I'm working in the wrong place. And if he's my boyfriend, what if I, how did I forget where he was? <laughs> <laughs> but. It's the I never look at Jude Law and think, oh, he's the perfect romantic lead. No. And I don't think he is actually the romantic lead in this. No, definitely not. Definitely not. I think Jack Black and um, uh, Iris are more, like, they seem more of a couple, like, with a... I know they're not really a couple for a while. For a long I like while. The, I like the whole getting there. I like how they get there in the end. Yeah. I like the journey for them because it's not so easy. Whereas the other two are single, you know, so it's kind of just figuring out where's them two. You don't know if it's going to happen or not. No. And if, the thing is, if it didn't happen, they're good friends. Yeah. Yeah. So it wouldn't really matter because I think that the friendship was strong enough to get beyond even if Iris did have some attractive feelings towards him. I did one of the things I noticed when I was watching was how Jude Law's accent quite often falls. <laughs> what is his accent in real life? Is he I like think a he, or something? I think he's a Londoner, but okay. I don't think he's posh London. No. I don't know what he Whereas is. Whereas you listen to Kate Winslet and she sounds like the classic private school girl, well pronounced uh enunciates her words properly and everything else and every once in a while especially i'm he's he's not very good at playing a drunk no i don't know why that annoys me <laughs> no i i have a thing about drunks on screen sometimes they're so obvious that they're not drunk and it's really off-putting yeah he didn't have a slur in his words he didn't have no. any stagger in his movements or anything and he seemed far too aware of his surroundings to be mm. as he I mean he called him he actually said that he got constantly pissed he mm. did not look he looked like I do on two glasses of wine okay I've had five today but we don't need to go into that right now it is late I'm allowed to I'm an adult um but he really didn't act like a drunk no no, I know what you mean. It was a bit, um, and it was a really strange scenario because you, you're talking about when he turns up at his sister's When he house. turns up at his sister's house and says, if you don't open the door, I'm going to piss all over your plants. Yeah, but I'm not being funny. Would you let him in? I wouldn't. <laughs> no. You're in, she was in a country she'd never been to, in a cottage in an area she didn't know, 
it she'd been woken up by someone banging on the door and it's quite remote i wouldn't open it no i thought that whole scene just made no sense it's got the makings of a horror movie yeah so totally yes. in your wheelhouse <laughs> yes we'll rewrite it but um yeah no i that whole s- situation just didn't make any sense at all whereas i loved the first meeting that miles and iris had oh yeah because that was kind of nice in the way he gets the thing out of his eye but it's also when she it's also when she opens the gates to him yeah and she's oh fuck (laughs) so how nice (laughs) because she answers with her classic english well spoken then all of a sudden degenerates to this swearing and it's like sudden oh my god <laughs> shock apparently i think this was the first film she did where she used her real accent because even though in heavenly creature she speaks with british british accent that's not her accent that's a put on accent but apparently this was her first natural speaking accent because this was after she'd been in titanic yeah but apparently because in the titanic it was american i do you know i don't remember it's been so long yeah. since i've seen that film yeah I shouldn't Apparently. admit that, but it is. Yeah, no, I haven't seen it for a while. But yeah, um, yeah, I know I did like that the way she's like when she's trying to open it and um, how he gets out of the car and comes up to her and his girlfriend has no interest, but then he's spending just a bit, little bit too yeah. long there. Yeah. And it's the way he says, oh, it's my Maggie. Yeah. And then he corrects himself. It's just, he's aware not my that, Maggie. Yeah, yeah. It's, he's aware yeah. that she's not his possession. Mm. so in this film was there anybody that you just instantly took a dislike to jasper (laughs) (laughs) yes so much i love the way she says that jasper (laughs) (laughs) well i somebody posted on twitter when i posted a screenshot yesterday of oh i'm preparing for my recordings Mm. and i got so many comments and oh i love this film i so love this film and someone said about jasper and i said that it reminded me of that scene in miranda oh i haven't watched that oh she is talking about how oh is she married this wealthy my cat's just stuck her claws in my leg um if she marries this a wealthy man she's going to invis she envisages herself running around the park after a dog called jasper jasper <laughs> and she does this whole scene where she's mm. running through a park after a shaggy dog <laughs> called jasper and that's all i can see when i see rufus sewell in this film he's horrid he is it's the old <laughs> You know, when you like a guy, but he's not available, but he just does enough to keep you about. And he's been doing that to her for three years. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. I, I myself, I've been in that situation. I was very young, though. Luckily, at the time, I was still like late, like 18. But it's just because they just give you that smidgen of hope yeah it's just enough she'd gone to the states and she sent him that Mm. message saying i want to fall out of love with you give me the opportunity to do so and no Mm. sooner had she arrived in the states than he's on the phone i need you you selfish git bugger Mm. off yeah i wanted so wanted her to punch him Mm. when he showed up on her doorstep but it was the fact that she had started off her day, did that fantastic bed warming wiggle. 
Mm. and the dance and everything else and she seemed really happy and then he phoned and all of a sudden she is sent back into that depression Mm. and you could see that in the way that it was like I can't face the day now I'm going to switch everything off and go back to bed but it was it for one thing for me that I felt really bad for when um she got the package and it had the note nothing on the note because that that would you know I kind of felt for her then and she was with uh, Miles at the time, wasn't she? Um, and, you know, she's kind of getting this relationship with Miles, but obviously Jasper's continuously in the back of her head. And of course, so she- Maggie's in Miles's head. Mm. Mm. Yeah, so they're both kind of like in fixated on these other people. But I think that's kind of what brings them together as well, in a sense. Well, that's the thing. I mean, when shared- she... When he torture when he comes to her after they've he saw her saw Maggie with that other guy, mm. and she tells him this story about how things ended at the on the shoot early, mm. Mm. and she just it just happened. How can it just happen? Did he fall over? <laughs> but he goes to Iris, and she offers him a drink, mm. and then she tells him all about her experience with Jasper. And he mm. gives her the drink. Mm. You need this more than me. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. There was, there seemed to be so much balance in their friendship. It was mm. a, a, an equal thing rather than I'm giving you more than you're giving me. Yeah, because that's what I liked about them. It's like it was a friendship at the start. And sometimes I think like my relationship started off as a friendship. And sometimes I think that's a nice like a nice way to get to know someone rather than just like, because um, if you look at Graham and um, Amanda, theirs was very like, it's complicated and all this kind of stuff. Whereas they just, they were friends. Yeah. Didn't, it wasn't complicated. What was complicated was their outside relationships. Yeah, exactly. You know? I tried really, really hard. I loved the scene where Amanda goes out to get some food. Yes. And you're on about the shop. Yeah, the shop. Oh, that shop scene is so funny. But at the same time, she was drinking red wine out of the bottle and then got in a car and drove on roads she was unfamiliar with. I mean, God. But at the same time, she jumped into bed with Graham so quickly. Mm-hmm. There was no time for them to get to know each other. No. Yeah, that was all very rushed and it wasn't a realistic. I don't feel feel like it was a realistic relationship because like with Iris and uh, Miles, you know, they don't have children. So they could do basically whatever they wanted. But he was in England with kids at school and all this kind of stuff. So he couldn't fly to America when he wanted. And she, you know, she's got her own business. You know what I mean? So it didn't seem like a relationship that I would have had. I felt like when she went home after New Year's, that probably ended. It's a holiday romance. Literally. Yeah, whereas yeah. Iris could quite easily, yeah. I think she'd have been the one to move rather than Miles. Yeah. She could have got a job. But as well, he, look, you know, he's a composer, so he probably works from home. So he can go wherever he wants. I loved the voiceover at the very beginning mm. where she's taught. I mean, the irony being her job is writing about marriages. Yeah, yeah. So I found her... Over, her voiceover at the very beginning where she's talking about the cruelest love of all being unrequited. Mm. Yeah, and it, it's like, you know, I, I don't know if you've been there, but I've been there when I've been infatuated with a man and either A, he doesn't know, or B, you know, it's been more than one. Um, 
they're not interested back and stuff like this. And, you know, from a teenager, I remember those moments. And, you know, I think you could, I think with her, like I said, like you can relate to her. Like, I feel like the things she's gone through, whereas because Amanda is quite cold and her breakup with Ethan is very like, you know, it's like, it's very robotic. Just tell me her name. I love her necklace in that scene. <laughs> How weird is that? That's the one thing oh, I focused yeah. on in that scene was her necklace. It wasn't her lines because, as you said, they were robotic. But I mm. loved her necklace. Her her clothes were stunning. But why yeah. would you wear a pair of heels? You you come out of the airport, you know that where you're going is going to be quite cold and icy, and you're wearing stilettos. Yeah, apparently this was the most, she said, uh, uh, like the most energy I can't think of the term like the most she had to put in physically because of all the running she had to do (laughs) (laughs) such an impractical outfit to wear yeah but that's her though isn't it you could tell that she had money Mm. yeah yeah because when he says I can't drive down there can you walk no no (laughs) (laughs) the thing was I could understand that she didn't know where she was going yeah and like Graham was able to stop outside in his in his Range Rover. Remember, he was outside the house. There were cars, so exactly. What was the that yeah. that was a bit confusing. Yeah, I mean those roads. We're kind of familiar with those roads, though, because I'm sure yeah. your roads are very very similar, and I know that a lot of mine are as well. Yeah, no, I I I did a couple of road trips in America, and their roads are massive. I know massive so um i've driven over there and yeah it's so easy compared because people are like yeah i didn't drive in boston i drove um the south so like i was in like um i I drove in las vegas that was interesting um Mm. but yeah the roads are a lot wider and everyone's like oh how did you drive in america i'm like honestly it's a lot easier than driving over here iris's cottage looked quite large until you got inside it and it's not real no, it's not real. Um, it was because um, I love the countryside. Like my dream is a cottage in the countryside. I love the countryside. And um, yeah, it wasn't real. I want a cottage garden. And Amanda's house was real, but the interior was a soundstage. So, Amanda's yeah. interior was huge. And don't get me wrong. It was a nice house. And I liked her TV and DVDs and stuff. But Who wouldn't? Can you imagine yeah, the movie nights you'd have there? I know, but I uh, speaking of movies, actually, you know, um, what did you think of um, Arthur? You know, the oh, little old man. Oh, I loved him. Do you know he was actually ninety when he made this film? Mm. Eli Wallach, yeah, he was. Um, do you know what I kind of thought about him though? Like, obviously, he wasn't a romantic interest, but I thought the way he treated her was like he was the best relationship she had. Yeah. Well, she I mean? did because actually, he... she did tell him that though. Yeah. Because oh, yeah, she said, she does, yeah. And, and also when she shows up to take him to that event and he mm. gives her that corsage, I tear up <laughs> every time. Oh, what, 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 what is it called? What is it called? A meat cute. Yes. A meat cute. Oh. Yeah. No, I, I absolutely loved their relationship. I thought it was like the sweetest thing and it didn't feel like, it didn't like as you know the way you see people and they look after older people and you feel like the younger person is looking after the older person i felt like in this he was looking after her he was teaching yeah. her yeah he gave her the opportunity to fi- uh, to find out who she was yeah like she needed him and that's why she had the strength after all of that to mm. 
tell Jasper where to get off. Jasper! But she was, that's the thing, she needed someone to give her that push. Yeah, and he was, oh, when she's having that, like, is it like a, they're having the party with Arthur and his friends? Oh, the Hanukkah then, party. Yeah, and then Miles comes over and they're like, oh, it's just like the perfect situation, isn't it? And It was like a massively close group of friends. Mm. Oh, I just... And it was just how, like, um, Arthur could see what was going on with them two before they could. Yeah, I think all of his friends yeah. could. He found his way. She gave him companionship and he gave her strength. Yeah. I and she needed relationship. it. Yeah. No, I, I, I really love that relationship. And I love, because um, I think as well, like the whole thing with like Maggie, like she was, like you knew when you saw Maggie that that wasn't a relationship that was going to last. Well, you also knew that she was only with him because he had connections. Exactly. Exactly. So, um, and when I think, because what is it they say, you know, where is she now? Like, you know, because she wasn't there, obviously. He's like, she's on location. See, that's the only time that I was really reminded that he was Jack Black. When he went, she's on location. Yes. Yeah. Yeah, that was very, very Jack Black, wasn't it? It didn't feel like it had a place. I think I think he was a bit silly, though, because like when he's in, like you kind of mentioned it before, when they're in the um, the blockbusters. Yeah. And he's like, do, 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 you know, when he's doing all the songs and stuff and Dustin Hoffman pops up. That was a nice little yeah. cameo. Yeah. And he was just walking by. Apparently he was having dinner at a restaurant and he just passed by and he knows Nancy Myers. He's like, what's going on? And then they gave him the cameo. I was going to say, well, Nancy Myers has done a lot. I didn't realize, I didn't realize before now that Nancy Myers was actually responsible for Jumping Jack Flash. Oh, yeah. Sorry, I just saw your cat's head poke onto the screen and I was like... Yeah, she's decided that she wants to join in. In a moment, you'll probably see her ass. so I'm sorry. <laughs> it's the same, like Harry um, got a cat recently. Whenever we're recording, it's like usually I would be the problem with Riley, but now it's like the cat. She's normally quite quiet, but she does. She's very quiet. It's just nice seeing her little face poke around every night. There she is. Oh, beautiful cat. What's her name? Oh, Darcy. But yeah, no, I know. I know what you mean with the Jack Black thing. He does every now and again kind of go a bit Jack Blackish. But I find that there are certain times when he is so OTT that I mm. feel a little bit. It's like Steve Carell. Jim Carrey. And Jim, yeah, and Jim Carrey. But Steve Carell, the first time I actually liked him in something was when I watched Crazy Stupid Love. Because I didn't like him in Evan Almighty. I didn't like him in The Office. I didn't like him in Anchorman. But I don't know if it's because I grew up on films like The Breakfast Club and Dirty Dancing that there are certain types of things I feel are a bit OTT. Mm. No, I, I like Steve Carell. Um, but he, yeah, he did a couple. He did a film, I think it was called um, The Big... The big short, it was about the crash of 2007, you know, the economy crash. So the big short. Yes, I think that's what yeah. it's called. And that was, a. he was really good in that. And he's kind of one of those guys where you expect him to be like, because yeah, you see him in Anchorman and the 40-year-old virgin and he was always like the funny guy. And then you saw him in something like that. And he was like, he's a really good actor. Well, it's kind of like I've... Adam Sandler. Yeah. Yeah. Like some of them, Adam Sandler, Jim Carrey, Steve Carell. Like some of them, and then they do these roles and you're like, fucking hell. Yeah, I know. And it's another great. one is, um, oh God, what's his name? I can never remember his name. And then it's like, why did I forget his name? The guy who was in 
who was in Anchor Man. Farrell. Paul Rudd? Yeah, no, not Paul Rudd. I love Paul Rudd in everything. Oh, um, Will Ferrell. Will Ferrell. Stranger mm. Than Fiction. Yeah. Amazing in that film. Absolutely mm. amazing. But that's yeah. the only film I've seen him in that I haven't sat there and cringed about. I think his silliness was okay in this. I think the Jack Black blackness, as we were calling Jack him. Jack Black blackness. Like, <laughs> the Jack Blackness. Um, I think he was okay with it in this because he didn't go over... I don't, I don't ever feel like he went over the top with it. You know? I just yeah. felt like that was his personality. It was that tiny little bit in the Hanukkah thing. Yeah. That was like, it reminded you. It was almost yeah. like he was going, I'm reminding you who I am. I'm Jack Black, yeah, yeah. No, I, 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 I get what you mean there. But, um, but at the same yeah. time, I mean, you think about it. It's quite funny when you look at it. Bit parts were played by Catherine Hahn, who, is, who was in Bad Mums. Had a big oh, yeah. role in oh, Bad yeah. Mums. And yeah. John Krasinski. Krasinski, yeah. And Edward oh, Burns. Ed Burns, yeah. Yeah. I mean, all of those people had really tiny roles in it. Mm. And they've gone on and on and on into bigger and better things. There's been a few films I've sat there and I've thought, this is forgettable. Because wasn't she mm. in the was she in the Divergent series? I didn't see those. I I I mean like things like um I love her in like Sense and Sensibility, The Reader obviously heavenly creatures um so yeah you can't forget that she was in titanic obviously titanic how many books did amanda think she was going to read on her flight from la to uk UK? i know when i saw them i was like oh my god i can read fast but there's no way on earth i'd have read even one of those on a flight well she thought she was going to go over there didn't she and relax and read and go for walks and drink wine and all this kind of stuff well she drank lots of wine yeah, and had she lots was going to go back the next day, wasn't she? Well, that's the thing. She decided. Yeah. I think she kind of went in and seen the house and how small it was, and then realizing because she did do it on very much impulse. Um, well, they both did. Yeah, I mean, like, look at when you think about it. Like, there's a suicide attempt almost. I mean, it didn't last very long, but <laughs> no, <laughs> the thought was there. So I think both trips were very much you know, very impulsive, you know. They were exactly what they needed, were impulsive oh, or not. percent, a 100%. I think it was. And, you know, sometimes you have to obviously hit rock bottom, which I think the both of them did with regards to relationships to kind of take that next step. I don't think Amanda had hit rock bottom with her relationship because I don't think she cared about him enough. No, I think she kind of hit rock bottom more with herself because it was more like a realisation that... You know, why doesn't she have, like, she didn't, like, the fact that he had cheated on her, like, she just didn't care. But it was, I don't feel like she would have broken up with him. Do you know what I mean? She, like, she. she, If something hadn't happened, it would have been carrying on as normal. carried on, yeah. I think, like, for her, it was like, it wasn't anything to do with the breakup of him. I feel like it was more of a, like, a wake-up call for her. Like, why isn't she upset? Like, why... Why is she so cold? That outburst when she was talking to Ben and Bristol, when she was saying, oh, I think we're going to take a break now for Christmas. Yeah, yeah. That outburst was like, oh my God, if that's true, I'm screwed. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. And I think sometimes, you know, I think he just kind of helped her along 
to kind of like, you know, I think she, I think it was just about her. It wasn't anything to do with him. I think she just found her excuse. I think he was more arm candy in a way. She was yeah. far more successful than he was. And yeah. in a way, I mean, Nancy Mayers has a tendency of doing this because I was thinking about it and she obviously, she did Private Benjamin, which is another, oh, I love to see, I love that film. I really do love that film. But she also mm. did The Intern with Anne Hathaway. I haven't seen that yet. Very, very strong female character who's mm. driven by her career. Mm. And it seems to be a pattern with her. Yeah. 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 Cause she's a very strong, like, like she's got an, she's got her own company. She's got employees, you know, and some men are a bit funny. And like she's that. successful. Yeah. And so, you know, some men are, because like when she's talking, talking to, um, uh, Graham and he's speaking about his mother and she's like, well, now I know that you're, you know, you come from a successful mother basically in her career, you know, and, like I've never understood the whole feeling funny about what your partner does, especially if it's a woman that's doing better. Like if you are insecure about the fact that your female partner is better than, you know, has a more successful career, grow the fuck up and go get another one. <laughs> but at the same time, I think that this is harking back to the time when women were expected to be in the home looking after the children yeah i know there yeah. I, there was a study done about it not that long ago and it turned out that though more men do believe that women shouldn't be tied to the kitchen sink i'd be in a nightmare that would be my nightmare because mm. i hate washing up but they don't believe it so much i really do it's my least favorite chore of the entire world there is there is still about 39 percent of men who believe that a woman's place is in the home which is quite horrifying. We're in the 2000, we're in 2000 and we're in that horrible year, 2020. <laughs> yeah, no, no, I agree. There are, you know, I, I know some men who are, who are like that. Luckily mine isn't. Um, if he was, I wouldn't be with him. Um, but yeah, there, there's, there's so much around, you know, women have children, they make dinner, they're at home and, you know, I mean, it's pathetic, like, you know, I mean, if it worked, but, but I will say, because I think people sometimes when I know women that love being mothers and wives and being homemakers, and if that's what you want to do, that is perfectly fine. But if that's what you want to do. That's the thing though. it does beg the question, is that because that's what they've always believed they should do as well? No, I, I know women who that's just they just they're do you know what you meet women sometimes I'm not one of them even though I have a child that are mothers you meet these women and they are mothers through and through and then you meet people who have kids and they became mothers because they have kids and I am not a natural mother no one would ever look at me and think mother but I know some women and they've just got this amazing quality and they want to be a mum you know, and that's, that's who they are. And I think that's great if that, cause that's, I'm very much one of these people that, you know, I, I hate it when people are like, oh, what? So you, you just want to be a mom. There's nothing wrong with being a mom. No, there's nothing wrong with being a cleaner. There's nothing wrong with being a lawyer. There's nothing wrong with being a writer. If that's what you want to do. And if that's what you can do as well, exactly, that's the thing. Exactly. And like, you know, sometimes like I know a girl who is a mother 
and she doesn't have children, but she's a mother. You know, she would be the, she, all she wants is a child and she can't have them. And, but she's a mother. Whenever you see her with a child, she's a mother. And, you know, I, I remember, I think Jennifer Aniston said it because Jennifer Aniston doesn't have children. And obviously she got hounded, you know, why don't you have kids? Um, and she was like, but I'm a mother. I'm a mother to my friends. I'm a mother to my, my nieces and nephews. I'm a mother to my, my animals. And that's the thing. You don't have to be, you don't have to have a child to be a mother. You're a mother. Like I'm, I got the title mother because I had a child, not because I am one. You know, and I think that's what people need to realize. You don't, there's so many mothers out there that don't have children, you know, but people sometimes put it down. They're like, oh God, you kids, and all this kind of shit. If you don't want to have, if you don't want to have kids, don't fucking have kids. There is nothing wrong with not wanting kids. If you don't want kids, I don't want you to have kids because if you want, I you're going to be a want, horrendous parent exactly. if you don't want kids. Exactly. My, my, me having a kid was a decision I made when I was 40 to have a child. But, you know, people put so much on it. And I do understand that women get a lot of shit about it. You know, why aren't you got a kid yet? And all this kind of shit. But like, you know, I think that, you know, being a mother for some people, it's amazing. It's not for me. I love my child, but I'm not a natural mother. You know, nobody would call me a mother. They just wouldn't. But there's so many women (laughs) out there that are mothers with no kids. Which is, I think that's the saddest thing. The ones who desperately want children and are perfect for it but can't have them and I think that's one of the reasons why I think like I don't mind talking to a friend about it but I think that's one of the reasons you shouldn't push it with women because like I used to say that about Jennifer Aniston I was like what if she desperately wants a child and can't biologically have one and you're adder and adder and adder and not everybody wants to go I can't have a kid because I biologically can't have some people don't want to tell you their business you know, so if someone like I don't like I'll meet someone. Oh, what you know, what do you do? Any kids? Blah, blah, blah. But if they said they ain't got any kids, I wouldn't be like, so why is that? Do, do, can you not have one? You know, it's none of my business. It's none of anybody's business. Exactly. I'll talk to my friends about it because if they don't want to talk about it, they'll say, shut up, Lorraine. And that's see, that, see, that's the thing with that. Do you think that Jude Law in this film as Graham, not talking about him in his, he's just had baby number six or his partner's just had baby number six. I know. Uh, but in this film, do you think he's actually a good father? I find that scene with Mr. Napkin face really uncomfortable. But apart from that. Apparently he gets a lot of um, do that, do that thing. It's quite, yeah. Yeah, it doesn't feel natural to me. No, it doesn't. It's no. very, especially the atta- the added line at the end where don't smoke. It's like, what why (laughs) I think I think him as a father in this I think he's a typical single parent whether it's a man or a woman and it's and I'm not saying that all men are like this but I think it's a general thing where there's more single women than there is single single mothers than there is single fathers um and I think especially probably for men when you've got two girls it's probably that little bit harder because you know you know, I sometimes see Deb with Riley and he doesn't get certain things that I would. So solely because I'm a female and so is she. Um, but I think I think he's a good dad and I think he wants to do right by them. You know, I think he genuinely is trying his hardest and he's just been put into this situation because his wife died and he's doing the best he can with it. And I thought it was really good. I really like the fact that he didn't introduce her. She showed up. And I thought that was really good because that's a real sign. I'm not, 
and I'm sorry if any of your listeners have done this, but I'm not a big fan of when you've got, especially li- little kids, of like meeting someone and introducing them straight away because you need your kids, you need to know that that person's going to be sticking around as much as you can know. Obviously, you, you, you know, nothing's guaranteed, but I think, I think he was really smart in what he did. And I agree with him 100%. And her showing up, obviously, she didn't know. Um, it kind of forced the situation. But I, I like that he was keeping that to himself. I thought that was really good. I really did find, I found his whole, I'm, oh, I'm mother and father. I mm. I read these books. We have a cow. Mm. That kind of thing was far more, not relatable, but far more real than the awkward scene with the hot chocolate. Yeah, no, because it is. That seemed really forced. No, I agree. I agree 100% with that because it was like really... Um, yeah, I, I, I felt a bit uncomfortable. I was like, this is really embarrassing. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. It was because at the set, though he wants to show himself as the, this, these are my children and they come first. Mm. Doing that, that Mr. Napkin head, it was almost like a, can you cope with my embarrassing, awkward mm. acts? But at the same time, it was also so forced and so unnatural yeah. it didn't feel like a natural flow of their relationship or the story in general yeah no no i i agree with that 100% i didn't i didn't like that bit i like i liked like all the other aspects of of how he was and with regards to his kids like protecting them so to speak um cuz what what did he say he goes i don't i don't what was it he was saying about how like you know when he goes out to the pub he's graham and then when he comes home he's daddy and he didn't know how to kind of join the two you know he couldn't figure out how to make the two work together yeah and the only way he can by is compartmentalizing his life which i understand you know um but yeah no i I agree 100 percent about the napkin i was cringing (laughs) there was the napkin with jude law and then of course the scene at hanukkah with jack black were two bits Mm. that felt kind of shoehorned Mm. in to make this fit the rom-com category Mm. far more than the it's not a romantic drama but i don't think at the same time it's a comedy because there isn't enough laugh out loud stuff to make it a comedy do you know what really really come across as a real true authentic moment for me is the very end where she's sat um at the theater you know when arthur was having his thing and um miles uh, miles come in and said what are you doing for new year's blah 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 and then they basically arranged to meet and she kind of looked forward with that look on her face that's yeah yeah that i was thinking that when i was watching it last night it was like that smile say, um, says to me, ah, he likes me. Yeah. And like, you know, that it's kind of like back to the days, like when, you know, you've been on a date with someone or you've met someone and you give them your number and they text you and you're kind of like, you know, that kind of, yeah, yeah that was exactly excitement. It. And that it's always one of those moments where I'm like, you're so unbelievably happy. That moment, she was so happy. And I can relate to those moments. I've had that moment myself. Like, do you know what I mean? It hasn't always ended well. Um, But that's the thing. I mean, there are things in your life that do end well. 
But with the end of this film, I do get the feeling that Amanda is going to go back to the States and they're going to call for a couple of weeks and then that's going to be it. Yeah. Because there isn't, it's not as though Amanda and Iris are best friends or Mm. Miles and Amanda are brother and sister or anything. Mm. So if Amanda doesn't contact Graham and things peter out, there's going to be no consequences for anybody else involved, apart from the girls. Yeah, yeah, because they kind of got to know her. Yeah, but then they got to know her over, yeah, over nine days. I mean, it's not as though, not even nine days for that matter. it's only a couple of days really, Yeah, so it it was a far more, theirs was a physical chemistry thing, I think. Mm. Far more so than Miles and Iris, which was a more emotional friendship thing. Yeah, I think they had something a bit to build on and it was uncertain, you know, and there's, I suppose, the the excitement as well. Like I've, I've, you know, you fancy someone that you can't have because they're in a relationship, but it doesn't stop you from coming up with scenarios and all this kind of stuff. And then like he comes over for dinner and you're like, oh, this is nice. And talk about watching movies together and all this kind of stuff. But then eventually it happens. Yeah, but that's the sort of stuff that friends do as well. Exactly. They had that natural build of a friend, of mm. a relationship, whereas mm. Graham and Amanda, it was very much more, I'm going to jump your bones. And then mm. I'm going to tell you that I cry a lot. Yeah, because like I, I, I... She's a really strong woman. Mm. Does she really want, it's kind of that alpha omega thing. She's an alpha. Hmm. Does she really want an omega as a partner? Yeah, I, I mean, I don't I don't have a problem like with men crying, but I felt like, but he, he was a bit too emotional for me, but I'm not, like if a woman was that emotional, I'd be like, calm down. Like, do you know, it wasn't because he was a bloke. It was for me, it's just like, you're being way too emotional here. Like when he was crying at the end after, I'm, I mean, maybe like I'm not the most romantic person in the world. And um, like after nine days, like when she was going and he's crying and she knocks on the door and opens the door and he's crying or whatever. And I'm like, oh, for fuck's sake. Like, yeah, like I, you know, get a grip, mate, you know. I don't find that. I like the idea of somebody being enamored of me. Who doesn't? Mm. But I think that it would be incredibly off-putting if on a first date. I mean, he told her he loved her, for God's sake. What was it she said to him? Thank you. What was it she said to him? Or she didn't say anything? She didn't say anything. She didn't say anything. It was kind of like they decided Amanda was going to be an incredibly strong woman. Therefore, Mm. they had to have the incredibly emotional guy somewhere or the incredibly emotional character somewhere Mm. in the relationship. And it just so happened to be him. And it didn't quite work. No. He was actually, apparently, Kate Winslet and Jude Law were calling each other up for this film going, we're going to be awful in this film because we're not really those type of characters. They don't really play those type of roles. Um, So that's quite interesting that you said that it didn't work. Because it... Kate Winslet pulled it off. Oh, yeah. Because I don't think her character was that weak. No, she wasn't. She had a bad experience and she was used by an asshole. Yeah, no, I don't think she was weak at all. I think that, you know, she 
was misled and then she just went away to get away from it, which is strong. She could have stuck around. Yeah, and he didn't, didn't. let her get away from it. No, she he didn't. Like He was the weak, weak one. Oh, he really? Was yeah, but he was also weak because oh, he couldn't pathetic. bear yeah. he couldn't bear the idea of her moving mm. on, even though she wasn't actually moving on with anybody physically at that point in time. She'd physically moved away from him. So when he phoned her, Oh, are you wearing have you had a chance to wear that, that little red bikini? bikini? Because oh, what are you saying about? Her? Oh, it's like oh, you bastard, you yeah. s- you scum, and you could see that at that point she needed, just needed, desperately, some peace. Mm. That was depression. Yeah, yeah. No, I uh, I didn't like him at all. He was, and his face. I wanted to slap his face. <laughs> And every now and again, you meet someone like that. and You're just like, oh. And the thing that really got me was he was involved with her and involved with somebody else. Mm. And then he phones her while he's with his fiance. Oh, when she was coming out the door yeah. or something, wasn't it? Yeah. And I was like, oh, my God. I'd have hung and up on him. to LA. After he'd sent her that book. Oh. He wanted her advice on because only she could tell him what was wrong with it. Oh, I, I can't help thinking that he was using her because, remember, her, her mum worked at Random House. Oh, yeah. I never thought of that. I can't help thinking if, no matter the fact that he's a journalist, he still would need a publisher because being a journalist doesn't automatically mean you're an incredible novelist. No. Actually, I never thought of that. I never thought of that. It was one of those things that grated on me a little bit because Graham had already said, oh, my mum's a re- she is a really powerful agent editor mm. at Random House. And then you've got Jasper with his book notes, almost mm. like he's hoping she's going to leave these around somewhere where her mum can see them. It was, a mi- yeah. it was a manipulative move of the First Order. Oh, God, yeah. He's completely playing with her emotions all the time, isn't he? In some form of some way or another. And finally, she was standing up to him. And then he wouldn't let her like he hadn't finished with her yet. What what did did he he say to her? How did she say it to him about be quiet or shut? What was it? Because he he goes to say something and she, oh, shush. She does that to him, doesn't he? Shush. Like that. I thought, yeah. And he just sits there kind of like, He's so, like, shocked, isn't she? Yeah, like, he's really put out that she's doing this. Really put out. What's the thing? I mean, he's even as she's pushing him out the door, he's standing there trying to... It's as though he's got more invested in this for other reasons. Mm. It's it's almost nefarious in a way. Yeah, yeah. That puts another spin on how badly he's using her. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, I agree. And then, obviously, Miles is being used by Maggie. You see, I I honestly believe that he has a lot of influence. Mm. Well, he's a composer, isn't he? So he's, he's he's in the industry. The whole thing with Amanda and her parents. I mean, I'm not from a divorced family. Mm, no, me neither. I'm from a widowed family. My mm. My dad having passed away years and years ago. But it was the whole, I was 15 and I never saw it coming. It's like, you were nearly an adult. Mm. And I haven't been able to cry since. 
it's like yeah, that was weird yeah that was weird it's like she's sitting there trying to force herself to cry after she's broken up with ethan mm. and she couldn't do it i mean that's Why the thing does it bother you that i can't cry remember she says that to him because you're a robot <laughs> and it does yeah. it just shows that i was more invested in the relationship than you but at the same time was he more invested in the relationship than her who benefited no. more from their relationship, him or her? Yeah. Yeah, I know exactly. He was living in her house, mm. but he never got rid of his flat. Mm. So it was kind um. of like, it was equal parts, I'm using you and you're using me. Yeah. I don't know. I, it's, that's the thing. I mean, I love this film, but the more you think about it, the more little things. You can identify really easily the characters you love. Yeah, but I think that's the thing when you, you know, I watch films like obviously like most people all the time. And then we go to do one for a podcast and you're like, you're picking it apart and you're yeah. seeing all the little things in it. And it's quite interesting. And one thing I've always said is sometimes... Like I can watch a film and then like in Bruges, for instance, you know, the one uh, before, yeah. that I was talking about before to you. Um, the first time I watched that wasn't a fan. Yeah, you said you didn't like it the first time. Yeah. And then the second time I watched it, I loved it. And because I'm very much um, I have to be in the mood for what I'm watching. Oh, yeah. You're, you are not the only yeah. one. Yeah. So like certain films, like I always go back to one like um, There Will Be Blood. I loved that film. I thought it was amazing. But had I watched it at a different time than I did, I wouldn't have enjoyed it. And I think that's the thing about films. You have to be in the mood and you have to be willing sometimes. Like The Holiday is a great film to wash over you. Yeah. You know, if you sit down and really watch it, you then start to see yeah. these little things that you don't see when you just let it wash over you. It's a traditional, for me, it's a traditional Christmas film. I watch oh, God, it. Yeah. I watch it with my mum. Yeah. I, I stay at my mum's from Christmas Eve until the day after Boxing Day. Mm. Though this year might not be doing the same because of COVID, which we won't touch on because I'm I'm so annoyed. But anyway, <laughs> I'm good. So I will be watching that on Christmas Eve. Mm. Probably on my Netflix account, maybe on my Prime account because my mum's got both of them. But both of my accounts, not her own. Yeah. <laughs> But she did buy Disney Plus for us this year, so yay. Cool. It is a traditional Christmas film for us. Yeah. No, it is. It's, it's, I, I find it very, like, I mean, I watch it all year round, but I do like it at Christmas. I'm like, well, I have to watch this. It's a Christmas film. You know, this type of thing. Um, and I normally watch it while I'm crocheting or I'm, it's kind of half of my attention is on the film and half of my attention is on something else. Yeah. But this time I watched it and all of my attention was on was the on film. It. Yeah. Yeah. No, I do that sometimes. Sometimes it's kind of just on and other times I'm like watching it. Yeah. You know? The funny thing was I made, I actually made a comment indirectly about this when I was talking about Wimbledon last week. Mm. Because if you notice, I said at Wimbledon, with Wimbledon I love the ending of this because it gives you an epilogue and I love mm. an epilogue I'm one of those rare readers because a lot of readers don't like epilogues mm. I love them apart from Harry Potter won't go there I hate <laughs> Harry Potter epilogue with a passion but I liked Wimbledon because it had an epilogue and closure yeah and I th and the one thing I find quite frustrating about this film is it ends on a happily but it doesn't end on an ever after. Yeah. 
that's very true. That's very true. You kind of have to make up your own mind of what you think happens, don't you, really? Iris and Miles go back to the States and she is still really, really good friends with Arthur. And... But does she see Amanda when she goes back to the States? Well, no, because they don't really have anything to do with each other because he'd Mm -hmm. never met Amanda before. Yeah. And then Amanda and Graham try for a little while. But, yeah, but long distance doesn't work because Graham wants more with the children and everything else. Mm -hmm. And Amanda doesn't want to commit that kind of time because she has her career and that's important to her. So I see them falling apart, whereas I see... Miles and Iris growing ever closer. Yeah, because at one point they talk about meeting in New York, don't they? Are you ever in New York? And yeah, and she's the one who says, "Oh, well, we could, or we could just end it here." Yes. So she's not as committed to the relationship from the word go. She's realist. Yeah, exactly. She is yeah. a realist, yeah. and Graham is heading clouds even though realistically he should be the realist because he has responsibilities. That's very true. But he wants the, you know, he wa- you know, he was married and it doesn't sound like it was a bad relationship and maybe he just wants that back, a mother for his children, so to speak. Like, do you know what I mean? And uh, So it was, that's the thing, I mean, I, I'm not detracting from the film because it is one that I would say definitely watch. It is a Christmas film. That's the thing, I mean, don't go into it expecting something that has proper closure, the starters. Mm. Yeah, no, 100%. And go into it just to enjoy it. Yeah, it's not one to overthink. We have overthought it. (laughs) Yeah, but I think as a person watching it for the first time, I think sometimes you have to make a conscious, I, I personally have to make a conscious decision to sit down and really watch a film rather than like because of this when I watched it a lot all the times I have I just was like oh this is nice whereas then when you go to do it for a podcast like a lot of the films I've discussed over the years it's like oh right so I really and sometimes because I I did my degrees in film and I when I finished my degree I'd say for about three or four years I barely watched a film because I was just sick of it You're not the only person. One of my colleagues did a degree in film and media Mm. and he struggled for a while to watch Mm. anything film, whereas I did a literature degree and I, the first thing I did when I finished my degree was pick up a book I wanted to read. Mm. Yeah. Because I'd analysed like 90 books that I hated. Yeah, because I think because um, like my dissertation was on Rosemary's Baby and The Exorcist and I was like I've watched them to death and over and over again I was like I never want to watch a film ever again <laughs> Rosemary's Baby is one of those films and the line that always sticks out to me oh he's got his daddy's eyes that mm. spooks the hell out of me every mm. single time I hear it yeah someone uh, Pod Tipsy just did an episode on it I'm going to listen to that I like them actually they're quite fun Um so yeah, I'm going to listen to that episode. That's the thing. I mean, it's interesting when you think about how things have gone with this. I'd have, I found the casting very, very strange. What, for a holiday? Yeah. Rufus Sewell. She wrote it with the four of them in mind. I think that they they cast it really, really well. Hmm. But at the same time, is there anyone you could have envisaged in the roles or could have done the roles better? 
no, I, I kind of like, I couldn't really think, I mean, there's the obvious choices for some of them. Like, you know, I could imagine like Kate Winslet role. I think, I think the thing with this film is, it's like sometimes you watch films like, like you couldn't, I couldn't imagine anyone else being like Iron Man or Thor and stuff like that. But this type of role, you know, you wouldn't go, I couldn't imagine anyone playing any of the roles. I think you could, you know, I think you could have like, you know, your, your Reese Witherspoons and, you know, or, you know, I know handsome, I'm trying to think of handsome British actors off the top of my head. Like, um, I think there's people you could, like, I don't think if they, those four weren't in it, I don't think you would have watched it going, oh, do you know what? Jude Law should have done that. Cameron Diaz should have done that. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. It's not, it's not that type of film. I don't know if Reese Witherspoon would have been a good Amanda though. No, I would have put her more at Kate's character. But then you'd have had to switch things because I don't think she could do a very good English accent. Oh, has she not done an English accent? Has she ever done an English accent? No, she hasn't, has she? No, I don't think so. Maybe um, good old uh, Renny Zellweger. <laughs> but for, for, I think Jack Black, actually, because of what they were going with, I don't know who they could have pla- replaced him with. He's probably the one I don't know who I could replace with. You know, yeah, because he's not your typical love interest, you know. Um, but with Jude Law, I just felt like you could have found another good-looking guy, you know. Yeah, oh, I know, I know what you mean. You know, Kate Winslet's character—if she could do an English accent, more is more like maybe a Drew Barrymore. She's got that sweetness about her. That's one thing I like about Drew Barrymore is very sweet, and that's one thing Iris was. She was a very sweet, caring person. The best friend. Yeah, and that's what. Drew Barrymore is very sweet. She comes across as a very sweet person. Well, isn't that what um, Arthur says to her? You're the best yeah, friend in yeah. your you're the best friend in your own life story. Yeah, yeah, yeah exactly. You're not a lady. Yeah, there's no. It's difficult to think of anyone else other than Robert Downey Jr. as Iron Man, but mm. he wasn't the first person they they thought thought of for the role. Mm. Tom Cruise. No, I'd no. have never watched it. <laughs> Never would have watched any of them if Tom Cruise had been cast. No, there's there's some like because I think with some characters they can be replaced, um, but like you have certain ones like I suppose even if you think about like Black Panther with um, Chadwick Boseman, like you know there would be there would be no replacing him. You, they've actually said they're not going to recast. No, and him. I don't think they should. And I think some roles, I don't think you should replace people overall. As we said already, I like the holiday. Mm. I don't want to watch it as an analysis again no, because it will ruin I it. Won't. <laughs> I'll just watch it normally. Yeah, exactly. That's the thing. What I think with this, it is so easy to switch, as you said, switch off. Mm. Mm. Yeah, and I like that. I like that. But I will, I will revisit again and again and again and again. But would, but as as we said earlier, what would you define this as? it's i don't know because it's not it, there's okay because like films don't have to obviously have one genre so there are romance drama um comedy at a stretch but a very big stretch i think that the comedy is purely because of who they cast yeah. I honestly believe that they, oh, Jack Black's in it. It's funny. Yeah, because I didn't like, I didn't like laugh. I didn't lol, no. as they call it. Um, I cried more than I laughed. Yeah, I, I call it more of a romantic 
drama because there's, you know, a lot of shit going on between these relationships that's not funny, you know? Yeah, so I... I I find... See, I find Graham and Amanda's quite funny because it's so unrealistic. Yeah, but, you know, the other two... But not funny, funny, ha-ha. Yeah. And I, I like that the other two wait until Miles is single. Like, they don't cross a line. You know, yes, there's something there, but they don't cross a line. And she doesn't cross a line with Jasper either. Like, do you know what I mean? She's right. He tries to. Oh, he does. But she doesn't. You know? It's not like she was cheating. No, because she can't help the way she feels. But he had every intention of taking advantage of the fact that he knows that she cares for him. Yeah, because I'll be honest with you. If she had, I think if she had tried to kiss him when he came over, he would have went for it. Yeah, and I think that it would have changed the dynamic of yeah. the film if she had. Yeah, well, I'm glad they didn't. Yeah, that would have been that would have been a no no for me. It wouldn't have worked. I think that they they made Graham's character a widow, mm. a widower. Sorry, because having the divorced having the ex around mm. would have made it more complicated, especially with children, mm. and they needed that complication to be somewhere. Yeah. Otherwise, there'd have been no story. No. Not exactly. And also, the relationship between Graham and Iris was weird. It wasn't very, um, it wasn't very sibling. They, there was no, like, connection. Oh, I'm, I'm, I'm really, I'm lonely, so I'm going to spend Christmas with my parents, my brother and his children. Yeah. No, I'm going to leave my brother a message. I'm not going to even bother to find out if he gets back to me, and I'm going to travel six thousand miles to spend christmas on my own yeah and then they when they do talk it's just about amanda yeah yeah it was a bit it was a little bit odd yeah i mean you've got siblings so have i yeah i've got one would yeah would you travel across the country or out of the country without telling them no (laughs) yeah i'd tell him Exactly. So there, there were certain things that you look at and you think, that's a little bit odd. But at the same time, it's a film. Yeah. And it is there to entertain, not inform. Exactly. Exactly. God. But yeah, no, it's a good film and I will watch it again. Are you going re- to watch it again before Christmas this year? Probably. <laughs> I'm just going to set up a few TVs and just watch it all at the same time. <laughs> Christmas films. Yeah. And you every single year new ones are released. Yeah. I mean, even this year, I think there's been an addition of about fourteen mm. Christmas romances on Netflix and Amazon alone. Jesus. I know, it's a bit but I think this one has that winning formula. Mm. Yeah, definitely. It's escapism. Yes. It's everybody's fantasy is to just be able to jump on a plane. Go and stay in somebody's house. That's all yeah. fancy and different to your own. <laughs> I know, but I don't know if I'd want somebody living in mine. No, I don't think they'd want to. No, I don't think they would either, <laughs> to be fair. No. But I think that's it. We've been analysing this film for ages. I know. God, yeah. Good luck editing this one. <laughs> oh, I'm, I'm, it'll be fine. Uh, <laughs> so two thumbs up. Mm-hmm. Definitely. I think. 
I'm trying to think. Oh, yeah. And there are loads of other films by Nancy Mayers, if you want to see them. Like Father of... Did you know she did Father of the Bride? I love that film. Yeah. Private Benjamin is, hmm, we've already said, one of our favourites. Mm-hmm. It's complicated. I didn't realise oh, she'd done the parent... I like that film. I like that too. And I didn't realise she'd done the parent trap with Lindsay Lohan. Oh, I didn't know that either. No, I didn't. I had no idea. And of course, Home Again with Reese Witherspoon. Mm. What Women Want. <gasps> I love that film. Which was unfortunately remade last year. Oh, What Men Want. As What Men Want. I watched that. And I said unfortunately. <laughs> I enjoyed it. <laughs> and then, of course, Something's Gotta Give, which yeah. I really love. And Jumping Jack Flash. Mm-hmm. Gosh, Ignore the it. fact that it doesn't class as a spy movie. It is fantastic. Mm. And Whoopi Goldberg is amazing in it. Oh, yeah. And oh my God, she looks fantastic in that dress. Yeah. I love Whoopi Goldberg though. Yeah. I loved her in the, I loved her in the 80s. I think that mm. the 80s was her... I didn't like Ghost. We don't need to touch that one with a barge pole but i loved her in jumping jack flash and i liked her in burglar color purple yeah see Fifth 80s direct, which went all into 90s as well um yeah no i i'm a i, I like um i liked ghost as well yeah you see i wasn't a massive fan of ghost and i love patrick swayze yeah oh yeah i still haven't been able to watch dirty dancing since he died see i think for me it's the soundtrack that i didn't like with ghost oh yeah oh Oh, my love (laughs) yeah exactly i think that is it for me soundtracks have a lot a lot of a a big role to play Mm. they're almost an extra character and if i can't stand the songs in the film i can't watch the film that's fair enough that's fair enough yeah i know so there's a that's the thing this had a good soundtrack Mm. yeah and though apparently it has last christmas in it I don't actually recall hearing it in the film. <laughs> I just saw it come up in the credits, so I'm still classed. I'm still classing myself as in mm. Whammus this year. Because I don't. Because I don't remember hearing it at all. If you do remember hearing it and know where it was, do tell me. <laughs> but don't actually send me a video of it because I'm still in. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not giving up. I lasted till the 23rd last year. Oh right. I was quite I was quite chuffed with myself for lasting till the 23rd last year. So please don't send me Last Christmas by anybody. <laughs> and definitely do not send me a link to the film. I'm going to do that now. <laughs> I wouldn't put it past you. <laughs> so, I am going to say Thank you so much, Lorraine, for talking about this with me. You're welcome. I'm so glad that I found somebody else to talk about it with. <laughs> <laughs> I do like this film. Yeah, so do I. Yeah. Even if we did pull it apart, we did put it back together again afterwards. And we fair. will be watching it again. So at least we're not going, oh, I'm never watching that again. Exactly. I'm going to watch it probably next weekend. Mm. I've got my nephew because we're baking. Mm. But I am going to watch it next weekend at some point because it's a nice movie to just wrap presents to. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, I'm going to put it on. I don't know. I'll pick a day. There you go. Pick a day, any day. We've got another 14 till Christmas. Yeah, <laughs> let's not go there. 14 till Christmas. And by the time this airs, we will have eight. Mm. Oh, oh, my God. 
scary. Oh, you, you put we'll this have... like next week, is it? Yes. Yeah. Mine will go out on the 22nd with you in it. Awesome. Yeah. <laughs> so poor people will have me three times in two weeks. <laughs> <laughs> but anyway, that is all of our talking about the holiday with Kate Winslet, Cameron Diaz, Jude Law and Jack Black and a multitude of others, all of whom I'm not going to name right now. Yeah. Including Jasper the Jerk. Jasper. <laughs> you have to do that. <laughs> I have to say yet another thank you to Lorraine for agreeing to come on and talk with me about the holiday, which I do love, despite us picking massive holes in it. Of course, if you are in the mood for the holiday, it's currently airing on Netflix and Prime in the UK right now. And it will also be making at least one appearance on TV over the next week, probably on ITV2. Apart from that, what do streaming services have in store for us in the run-up to New Year's Eve? Please let 2021 be a better year. On Netflix, we know that there is always a ton of stuff arriving on the first of the month because they just love to treat us. But what is there coming up between the 25th, yep, Christmas Day, and the 31st of December? If you thought that Amazon and Disney were normally really quiet, then boy, do I have a surprise for you. No joke. On the 25th of December, we have the premiere of yet another Shonda Rhimes production, Bridgerton, which is loosely based on the Bridgerton books by historical romance author Julian On the 25th, we have the premiere of another Shonda Rhimes production, Bridgerton, which is loosely based on the Bridgerton book series by historical author Julia Quinn. On the same day, we have 2019's A Dog's Way Home. I think that's probably a weepy and a sort of sequel to Robert Rodriguez's Shark Boy and Lava Girl, no Taylor Lautner here. It's called We Can Be Heroes. And though it was publicised as, oh, it's going to have loads of Shark Boy and Lava Girl in it, it actually doesn't if you watch the previews. Unfortunately, that is literally it until January. On Amazon, on the 25th, we get the premiere of Sylvie's Love, starring Thor's Tessa Thompson and Eva Longoria from Desperate Housewives. We also get treated to the amazing Devil Wears Prada starring Meryl Streep and the Oscar-winning Three Billboards Outside Ebbing, Missouri. On the 26th, Simon Pegg returns with Run, Fat Boy, Run, though that's probably been on and off the platform so many times I can't count it anymore. Of course, if football is your thing, then there are absolutely hundreds of matches, or at least it looks that way when I when I scan the list of what is airing on the 28th of December. But if you don't want football on that day, you can listen to a musical instead, thanks to the Hollywood version of Les Mis starring Hugh Jackman. On the 29th, The Help, starring Viola Davis and Octavia Spencer, arrives, followed by the second half of the final season of Vikings on the 30th. Unless you have A, no interest in Disney, or B, have been hiding under a rock, you will know that Disney Plus has a massive premiere in line on Christmas Day. It was meant to be released in cinemas this year. However, we know how that's gone. So for pretty much every studio, it's been the same. On the 25th, 
Pixar's latest, Soul, arrives on Disney+, and unlike Mulan, it won't be hidden behind a Premier Access paywall. Two projects from 2013, Epic and Walking with Dinosaurs, also arrive on the same day. That is pretty much it for this year, though I know that next year things are going to be picking up. You probably heard me saying, oh, there's eight days till Christmas. When we were recording this, I was planning on actually releasing it last week. However, I had a change of heart when I realised I wanted to do something slightly less Christmassy last week. So it's coming, well, (laughs) it's arrived on Christmas Eve instead. I hope you really enjoyed this episode as much as I enjoyed recording it with Lorraine. Thank you for listening and I really do hope, as I've said, that you enjoyed the episode. I release a new one every single week, so if you like what you hear, why not share it with your friends and family and post a review on one of the many podcatchers out there, such as iTunes or Podchaser. In fact, go over there and favourite me or something and say hi, because I love to hear from you. You can follow me on Twitter at need underscore three underscore mugs or on Facebook at Not Before Coffee Podcast. Well, it's getting quite late and I have only had five, maybe six cups of coffee today. So I'm going to go and boil the kettle and make another one. Until next time, this is me saying farewell and Merry Christmas. Merry Christmas.